Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Bitch Work Podcast. I'm so excited for my guest this week, Mian Chan, who is here with us. I'm just so excited to have you because to be honest, I've been watching like Beauty With Me and your YouTube videos for so long. So I'm just so excited to chat with you today and get to know more about your career. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. We finally, we're finally doing this. I know we've been planning it for a while and just with like COVID and quarantine, we kind of had to figure things out along the way, but I'm finally, but we're, she's finally here. We're finally doing it. And I'm really excited for you guys to learn more about me and her career. Cause I feel like you've gone through a lot and you're at a really amazing point in your career. So I think you could give some really amazing advice, which I'm super excited for. Me too. Do you want me to start with the little spiel, what I do and stuff like that? And just to clarify, yes. we're not actually together. We are remotely no. shoot. We are re- remotely recording this, which is kind of fun. Exactly. Um, we are we are following COVID guidelines. We are not in the same place. We are remote recording, even though we're both in New York, which is fun. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into what exactly your current position is, and kind of like what that what what a video director at Condé Nast Entertainment means, what your responsibilities are, and just like your elevator pitch for your job. Yeah. So I'm a video director at Kindness Entertainment and I'm on the development team. So we develop new series across all of the Condé Nast video channels. So that would include stuff for Glamour, Teen Vogue, Allure, um, Vogue, uh, Wire, GQ, all that, Bon Appetit, all that good stuff. And so basically um, the directors are kind of in charge of the creative development of the new series. So we're pitching all the time, we're in brainstorms all the time. And we're also doing a lot of um, development with like kind of in tandem with the strategies and programming teams to figure out like what's going to pop on these. It's it's very interesting because I have a background in editorial, not in, in video production. Mm. And I kind of fell into video um, when at my last company, which is at Refinery29, when I started doing a bit more video there. It's interesting because basically the way, way it works is we'll pilot, if, we'll pilot a new series and we will essentially like green light two or three, four or five episodes. We'll do those episodes. And if it does well, then it'll quote unquote go to series. And then mm. that series will kind of get picked up by the in, like the other team at Connie Nass that is in charge of executing all existing series, essentially. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So in theory, our team is always working on new stuff, which is ex- which is really cool. It's that cool. is cool. I've actually never heard of a system like that, but and it, it makes sense. And I guess that keeps it like interesting and different for you. It guys. is it's different every single day, and it's fun to pitch across different brands. Like it, I've, you know, my background's in editorial, and it's also in beauty. So I obviously do a lot of beauty and style. But I've gotten to pitch. I I just did a dating show for Teen Vogue that I hope goes fun. to series. So there's like it's it's nice to be able to kind of dip my toes in, in other things. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so. What is like a day to day at the office or now working from home? Obviously, we're not on set right now. And obviously, not every day is the same. But if you could just give us like a rundown of what a typical day might look like. Yeah. So if if I'm not on set actively like shooting something or I'm not the remote version of that would be we are still shooting stuff, but we do it similar to like you, what you and I are doing now. So I'll, right. for example, I just piloted a ballerina series, a remote ballerina series for Glamour. It's one of my favorite things I've done actually. Um, and what I'll do with her is I'll make her, a, an ex, I'll have a pre, we'll have a pre-production call 
We'll talk with her. We'll figure out what the episode is going to be. Then once the episode is nailed down, we'll have another call and I will basically do like an exhaustive pre-interview and I'll take that information and turn it into an extremely detailed like shot list. This is different for every mm. episode, but this is kind of the way that it's been working that my workflow is these days. Um, I'll make an extremely detailed shot list of everything. Basically, like I will create on paper what the video is going to be once it's edited. So I know like, every Got single it. beat, every question, everything, everything that I want to prompt her to say. Um, and then I will eat. It depends with remote shoes. It depends on the talent, actually, because like some things I feel confident giving her the shot list, having her shoot it, having her send it to me. I'll review it. I'll give notes. But then there are other situations where it's easier for me to just like block off half a day or a full day and just be on Zoom with her while she records so I can see, I can check her framing, I can, you know, keep, like kind of chime in with questions, stuff like that. Um, but everything that happens before a shoot day in all the pre-production world is like, mm. again, making that shot list, um, creating, like creating that, those all that creative documentation of like what the video is going to be, you know, working with different teams to um find out visual ways to make it interesting and elevated it's a lot of like thinking about that um making like i i pull a lot of like reference images and stuff like that before right. i shoot before we shoot stuff um a lot of pre-interviews like I'll, I'll pre-interview every expert that we talk to before we shoot just so that i can so hold for wow um, that was strong i live i live on a very busy street um <laughs> But I pre-interview everyone. I'll take like very exhaustive notes, go through them. Sometimes I'll like even take notes and like start and highlight the like tidbits of like the, all the little facts and facts and tidbits that I think are interesting that I know to have them ha to have that expert say those things. Um, mm. And that all goes into it. Obviously, getting props, getting other stuff like that right. is stuff we'll do before the shoot. Then we'll shoot. Um, and then it'll go into like the post-production phase. And that is a lot of like, I mean, people always say that, the, that movies are made twice, once when you sh on the day you right. shoot and then when you do it in post. <laughs> and that's where you kind of like shaping and craft, crafting it. We'll come up with a graphics, with graphics that we want to use. And I'll um, basically be giving notes on, with, working with, my, with our editor. Um, so every cut gets like very extensive notes and then it'll go up and then we'll, um, occasionally like figure out the best ways to optimize it for YouTube but that's pretty much it in terms of like the production cycle like to give you like mm -hmm. a very obviously things are different depending on the video and like some videos right. some videos require a lot more research and so there's a lot more pre-production days on you know added on to that that's kind of like the, the basics um right. and then other than that other things that like get peppered up, peppered throughout my day are just like a lot of brain a lot of like pitch meetings and brainstorms so we're always thinking yeah. about that sort of stuff and yeah, lots of lots of those kinds of meetings, but that's right. basically like the gist of it. Amazing. Yeah, I was actually going to go back and ask you about the pitching process because how many like series or episodes or ideas do you guys have to pitch per quarter if you're constantly coming up with these new ideas? I can imagine that like you pitch a lot of series. So, what are your like strategies or um how do you come up with all of these ideas? Like what, what, yeah. what goes through your mind? I mean, there's always, there's no, our team is really great. I, I, there's no like 
there are no quota numbers on like what you have to be doing, but all of us are very creative people. So it just kind of happens that way. And we also have meetings where we're sharing videos all the time, videos that we think are cool, videos that we think have cool, like visual elements to it. So there's always that kind of free flow of ideas. But in terms of videos for me, I just, I just try to read a lot. Um, and I try to watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. So like I do kind of right. watch, I mean, my beat, I would say is beauty and fashion. So I do try to kind of, mm. I try to keep up with the news there. Um, and just watching once you, I mean, if anyone wants to go into like video production, which again, I'm not, an, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm like an expert at because this is not what I like got my degree in or anything like that. But like, I've yeah. obviously learned a lot. Um, I think I've, I think that a, a good, I mean, I went to school for journalism, so I think it really helps that I did do that because it helped, it gives me a good eye for like story and narrative storytelling. Um, but in terms of like creative ideas and pitching, I think a lot of it is watching and consuming a lot of what's out there in the media. Right. Um, I think that's the most important thing, which can get really overwhelming with everything that's out there. But I think, and also just identifying like the, like say, let's say you want to make for glamour, you know, consuming content in that space is, is really helpful. And then just like mm. thinking about what you, even just watching TV now, like now that I, I'm in video more, like I'm always thinking about like interesting formats and structures of TV shows and reality TV shows even like that we can apply yeah. to a YouTube like format. Definitely. I totally agree with that. I, I also work in video production and I, I think that the best way to like specifically food video production and mm-hmm. I do think it's it's consuming the media around you in your in your field to see what people like and then kind of like do your own spin on it or take something that you love that you've seen and and create something new with that. So I definitely agree. Um, going back to you not starting your career in editorial in video, which we will definitely hit on even more when we like get into like your education and your path to where you are now. Just a simple question. When you started working in video or from where you are now, like have you learned the, um, I guess the more like tactile skills of video along the way? Like, is that something that you need in your career? Like premiere or learning how to shoot or, um, different types of cameras, things like that. Like, are, are those things that you've learned along the way? Or do you feel like because you didn't study video production, like maybe those are things that you don't have possibly? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I did take a class when I, I, I went to school for journalism and I, I, I double majored in sociology and journalism and I did take a class in multimedia journalism. So I, I already knew how I did know how to edit and the video and I, I edit, I can edit, but I, but very, I'm not like an editor. I, I know how to like, right, right. I know how to like do yeah. a little bit on Premiere. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm like, I can edit like a hands and pans video, but like beyond that, like I'm not, I'm not like making You're not graphics. animating anything onto the, no, <laughs> um, no. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, when I started doing video, I, I obviously had producer and stuff like that. And I learned a lot. Another car. I learned a lot along the way um, in terms of like lighting. And like, I, I kind of like, as I grew with Beauty With Me, my YouTube show when I was at Refinery, I started to take on more of a hands-on role there. I got, to, I had more, I was able to get more input. And then I started to like, want to learn about like lighting that I liked and like, right 
lenses that I liked, stuff like that. And that really helped. I also had, I, when I worked at Refinery, I had an amazing, I had an amazing set, a crew of shooters and editors that like really wanted to help me learn. And then I also took a production class to like kind of bolster my knowledge a little bit. So that, so that like, if I was in a studio, like I wouldn't just be standing there, like not knowing how to like help set up a light stand or something, you know, um, which was not the only thing I learned at the class, but like, you know, like stuff like right. that. It's like, I want to be able to like go, not have to ask people how to put something away or how to properly totally. coil a cord and like those, what you said, like technical, like more practical things. Um, so yeah, but I definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome about, it. I still do. Mm. I, I still do about, about like what I, like when I kind of switched over and um, yeah, I think it's, just yeah I think the fact the fact that I didn't go but the thing is is that like I don't think you need to go to school for what you end up go, doing your career in um Definitely but I not. do still I get like I do sometimes feel I do think I lack a lot of the like super technical like I would not feel comfortable shooting on like I would not feel comfortable shooting our videos. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Well, I mean, I did go to school for video production and I wouldn't feel comfortable shooting our videos because, or videos that I do at my company, just because like, that's not your your world. That's like your, that's not my expertise. Exactly. Like I would say like my niche is like, you know, writing scripts or creative brainstorming, things like that. And like, that's why you have so many amazing people on your team. Anyways, I think it was, Yeah, I think it was really smart and such a great move to do a class, which I think would be really helpful to a lot of listeners because a lot of people do ask, like, how do I get into video production? How do I get into media if I studied this or that? So, guys, like, if you want to do something, there's classes out there you can take. Like, even now with COVID, I know there's so many, like, online classes and things like that. Like, read a book, take a class, and I'm sure you'll be able to, like, figure it out along the way. Yeah, there's also a lot of YouTube videos. Mm, Yeah, that's such a good resource. um, Yeah, there's stuff out there. I mean, the classes are great because it gives you can like have a hands on. And we also went and had a shoot day. So we got to shoot some stuff out and like in the field. Oh, that's amazing. Um, So, yeah, it was cool. Okay, so now going into your background a little bit and kind of where you got to where you are. So obviously, as you told us, you studied journalism. Where did you go to school? Kind of like what led you there? And then we can start getting into like your internships and like your first jobs and things like that. Yeah, so I went to school at NYU. I majored in journalism and sociology. I chose NYU because honestly, I really want to go. I live, I grew up in California. Um, mm. near, I, in the Bay Area and I really wanted to go to the East Coast for school and I liked so I actually didn't even enter NYU to go to journalism I, I did it for international politics at first actually and then oh, I okay. quickly realized it wasn't really for me and I switched to journalism and it was great I mean I was kind of choosing between either staying in California or going to NYU NYU thankfully gave me a scholarship so it made it made the decision a little bit easier amazing so I went to NYU and that was honestly such a good decision I don't think that you have to go to NYU and pay all this money to go and be a journalist like or or, or a magazine writer at all like there are so many like amazing schools in New York that are so much cheaper but I think that being in New York affords you a lot of opportunities to take internships and like do stuff that you wouldn't be able to, I would not have been able to do if I went to a UC in California. 
Totally. Well, because when you're in New York, you can intern all semesters that you're there. Whereas, like, exactly. I went to Syracuse, which, like, is in upstate New York, and my internships were limited to summer Summers internships. Only. Yeah. Right. And you get into very competitive. And so I actually was able to take my get my first journalism, um, my first, like, magazine internship at W Mag. I was, like, the, I was in the last, like, like, like rung of interns that Condé ever really had. And so I was there in 2015, fall semester, I believe. And that was my first internship there. And I didn't really know I really wanted to go into beauty or beauty writing or anything like that. It was really, I was obsessed with beauty. I loved Mm. consuming YouTube around beauty and I, I loved reading about beauty. I never thought that like journalism or magazine writing could be a job, but I saw this listing for the W Magazine internship on Ed 2010, which was which I don't know if is still a thing, but I don't know. So I never. Exp- I had a few. Another guest mentioned that she works at she works at Seventeen, and she mentioned that website. But I never had any experience with it because I was always in video, like mm-hmm. never like yeah. magazine or editorial. So I don't know, but I think it might still exist. I was on that site every single day looking at new internships. Like I applied for the W Magazine internship like the moment I saw it. The then senior editor at W, Katie Jane Becker, who's now the beauty director at L, mm. like told me after my internship that I was like the first person to apply. We did a Skype interview because I was still in California. And she said that she was just impressed with me. I, I like was doing the interview and I looked behind her and I saw Clarisonic Mia in the background. And we started <laughs> talking about it. We started talking about retinol and like vitamin A derivatives and stuff like that. And then she gave it to me. And that was, and I was, I honestly, like bless Katie and Jane who worked there because I was not a good intern. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Were you a freshman at this point? I was a sophomore. Okay, okay. I had no idea what I was doing. I think they they probably wanted someone who had a bit more journalism experience, as in I had none at that point because that's the internship that made me realize I wanted to switch my major to journalism. Got um, it, okay. And I, I'm so grateful that they took a chance on me and like, it was great. And then I went to, and then I switched from media journalism and then I started doing more. I started freelance. Then I was like, I feel behind, I can behind, which is ridiculous. Cause I was a sophomore. Um, right. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. But I feel like that's almost like the NYU culture. Like so everyone, is. it was also very similar at Syracuse. I went to Newhouse, which is like the communication school. And it's a very similar culture of like, I'm behind. Everyone's doing so much better than me. Like very competitive atmosphere. Yeah. And Sometimes I hate, sometimes I think back and I'm like, damn, I really didn't have much of a college. I, I did. I mean, I still, I had friends and we, we had fun and, but I was, I feel like I look back in college and I feel like I was just working that whole time. Like, and it was yeah. great. And I feel like it, it helped me get so ahead in my career. It helped me get to where I am now. And like, I, you know, my fondest memories were like when I started my internship at Refinery because I worked there as an intern for like the whole school year. Right. Was this your junior year? Yes, my junior year, cool. we were there. I was there the entire like for two semesters, and we got really close. I sat right with them, like at a digital media company. What's good about um, interning at a digital media company where they're writing a lot for online, which is, I guess, every media company now, mm-hmm. um, is they really need like as many writers as possible because you're, they're because they're, yeah. they're writing so much. So I got to write a lot for Refinery. Got to really develop. I got to really like get a lot of feedback and edits. It was really, really great. And then I ended up getting a job as an editorial assistant because the then editorial assistant um, got promoted and she really advocated for me to 
get her role afterward. And at that point, I was actually going into my senior year of college. So they were so great. They let me um, have this job. And even though I had classes like on Mondays, I think I left at four to go to class. And Mm. then I had night classes. So like I had a little bit of a truncated schedule with them, but we made it work. And Wow. That's yeah, amazing. So, I can't believe you got a full-time job your senior year. That's incredible. It definitely took a lot of the edge off because I was worried that I wouldn't get one. And I really wanted to prove to my parents that like I made a, the right decision. And right. so I got that job. And then I stayed there for five years. That's crazy. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit more about your experience as an intern and then more refinery. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you made like an amazing impression on them. Um, being an intern there not only for two semesters obviously you had to like leave a great impression for them to want to hire you again as an intern but then especially because they gave you a full-time job so like what are just some of your like your tips for being an intern you know getting noticed making sure that your bosses see you and know that like you you're interested in learning more about them and the company and like just I just feel like because you got hired you must have been like a star intern So what are some of your tips for that? I think a lot of it has to do with when I first started, we were in what they called like the intern pit. So all the interns sat together and then it just so it, you know, every day I would go to it's really difficult when you're an intern and your team doesn't sit with you. Mm -hmm. I feel very strongly that interns should sit with their team because you know the teams are they're so busy it's 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 easier to assign people work if you can just turn to them and tell them about it so right and then it's also like you're a part of the team you're not separated into like an intern section like you're a part of it yes so every day because I didn't sit with them I would go and say hello I would like go and say hello to them like I wouldn't no G chatting like I would go and say hello and I would say goodbye every day so at least they Mm. saw me every day and they could like pull me aside I went to I went to their meetings and then I also like made a point to email um just like email every now and then and be like do you need any help like what can I help you with trying to like kind of anticipate their needs and then I also pitch stuff I pitch stuff um I think when it comes to pitching things as an intern, you want to do it in a way that's going to take the least amount of time for your editor. So like um, sending very like well formulated pitch emails, like I typically really like the one, like I used to send ones where it would just like, hey, hello, these are my pitches, like obviously more words there. And then I would like bold the head, the suggested headline. I'd have like two or three sentences describing what the story is and why I think it fit. And then I would just like list my pictures that way and then they would just assign yeah. it to me that way. And like, I think that making things easy and digestible for your editors is they're going to thank you for it. It's going to be, I right. personally feel that way when I then had interns like other way around, like yeah, having interns that are making things easier for you is just great. And the ones that mm-hmm. like, the one also re really reading and rereading your work and making sure that it's good before you submit it. And so totally. that you get to a place as an intern where your editor doesn't feel like they have to really be checking your work. That's right. very important. Um, yeah. And then, and then I started sitting with them and that helped a lot. Okay. They let so me how, sit, did they, 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 did just they just change a, it? They had like an empty seat and they were like, why don't you just come sit with us? And I was like, amazing. And then I started, that's when I really felt like I was part of the team. Like it just made me feel really included. And, and I will say, I don't even think it was not all me. Like the team there was so, 
so, so, so, so great. I'm so glad that I got to like come up in the industry under this team. Like everyone was so supportive of me. They were so nice. They like, I became friends, again, friends with like a lot of them um, and still am now. They wanted me to get the most, the most out of that internship. And so I feel like that was a really good experience um, for me. And like my last internship before totally did that too, but it's different when you work for, when when it's print, because obviously as an intern, I'm not going to write for print. So like I did a little bit for them and like, but at refinery, like everything was so go, 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 go. Like I had a lot more responsibility. Um, so the interns actually got the chance to have a byline and like get published and be on the website when it's a digital media brand, as opposed to like an intern writing an article for a print magazine. Correct. Yes. So I I always say like, I mean, I don't think this is as much of an issue now because I mean, sadly, print magazines are kind of going Right, you know they're going south, but I do. Which is say, so sad. Yeah. I love magazines. I, do I think too. that it's just so too. nice to have like a tangible like item in your hand that you can hold. Yeah, I I completely agree. But yeah, I always say that like you know if you know something might have an amazing huge name, but you might get a lot more um, a lot more responsibility at, at something that has a bit more of a startup culture, just because totally. you're going to have to be doing everything which is kind of great as an intern to experience that yeah I actually think that's a really important point because like we were talking about earlier with like competitive culture in college like these big name internships I think can be really like um not not overwhelming but like everyone wants these huge internships with these huge companies and at the end of the day it might be actually more beneficial to go with a company that not everybody knows Yes, I, I, I think obviously, you know, figure out what situation is best for you. But yeah, I think that like, if you have a sense of what the responsibilities are, I mean, obviously, when you're doing an internship, you should know what the responsibilities are as you're interviewing, yeah. you should definitely ask and make sure that you're going to get something out of it, you know? Totally. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit more about your time at Refinery, those five years where you work for them full time, because you obviously moved from editorial into video, you got your own video series. So I kind of want to learn a little bit more about that movement and how you you transitioned from from where you were to um, where how you ended there. Yeah, so I was writing, I worked as an editorial assistant for about a year, and then about a year, year and a half, and then I got promoted to writer. So I was writing a lot, a lot. And at that time, around that same time, Refinery was sort of starting to build its video team, not build its team out, but start to ramp up the content. I think this is kind Mm -hmm. of around, I want to say this is like kind of around the like, the pivot to the pivot to Facebook that that happened like back around then, maybe 2016, 2017. Okay. And if I remember correctly, there was a big pivot to Facebook and they were ramping up a lot of content and they were doing beauty content, but they didn't have anyone really that anyone on the producing side of the video team that really knew and spoke like did beauty as as deeply as the beauty editors at Refinery. So they started asking our team for a lot. And honestly, because I was the only person on that team that kind of grew up with YouTube and cared about beauty video, even though I was like, an, at the time, like an assistant or a writer, um, they tasked me with kind of liaising with the video team, like going to them with our pitches, like kind of overseeing their pitches. And eventually I started just like, because I was liaising with them, 
helping them out a lot with like Mm. calling in products, looking over their soft scripts, pitching a lot of ideas. And eventually it started with like, started with Snapchat. Um, and they started, the, the then director of Snapchat, Tara, was like, well, why don't you just like be in some of these videos? Because to cast you as talent is a lot easier for us because you already know how to talk about beauty. You already know the Refinery 29 beauty voice. And so mm. I started doing Snapchat videos. And then that you know, kind of happened and they were like, hmm, we want to start like experimenting with YouTube. Why don't you like just make a YouTube show with at the time Max Bartik, who's actually now at, at Condé Nast, he works at Vogue. Amazing. Um, he kind of was my first kind of director producer and we started doing the show. It was, it was like twice a month back then and then it ended up doing really well and it got pushed to once a week. And that's when it became very difficult for me to continue my writing responsibilities and doing the show because it was a lot of, and I was, you know, starting to get a much more hands-on role in the show. I was starting to like do a lot of the bookings and do like this. Mm. I was, I was always doing the soft scripting because obviously it would have to be my voice, but um, right. it started to become more difficult and I started to have a bit more of a hybrid role. And then eventually it became a thing where I just was like, I need to just focus on the show full time. So I yeah. switched over to video and I became a producer there. And I was there for about a year doing that. And then I really kind of, I put out like, I did a, like a lot of videos that I'm really proud of and really love. And then it kind of got to a place where I felt like I had done what I wanted to do with that show. It kind of felt mm. a little bit like I grew it. Like I loved that show and I loved the audience that, um, that like was there for that show and the audience that has kind of stuck with me since the show. But it did sort I did sort of start to, it started to, I love doing like the more story driven videos for Beauty With Me and like right. the more like, in, like not more like, you know, things that it required like a bit more reporting. And it was really right. difficult for me to do like quote unquote, very, very YouTube formats, like favorites videos or like routines and stuff right. like that. Um, and so I started to just like, not really love that part of producing the show and because we had to make so many episodes it, it became very it was it, there was no way we we're going to be able to do like a very story driven like reportery kind of episode every right. single week week because those take a lot more work than a favorites video or a eye routine or a tutorial obviously because there's a lot more research and time that has to exactly. go exactly and those are the ones that i like the most so Right. Um, that kind of happened. Uh, some other things with Refinery just started happening. Like they, like my producer was laid off and that was mm. sucked. You know, after she was laid off, then I was like, I don't really want to do this alone. Like I know, right. like I don't, I def if I already know that I don't want to, I want to be doing more reportery episodes. There's no way that I could do it without like my basically right hand, which is what Megal was. Um, and right. we, we worked so closely together. We were like, we're very good friends. And so it became very difficult. I was like, I just don't see a future in which I can do the content that I want to do without her. And I feel like I'm kind of, you know, outgrowing the show anyway. And I feel like I've been at Refinery for five years. So I felt like it was time. Right. Even though it wasn't like anything happened. Like I just really, I just felt like I had been there long enough. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really natural progression, like in your career. Plus like you interned there. Like, yeah. There's so With much the internship, I was there for like six years, I think. Right. Like you grew up there. And I think that, you know, at any point, just like with a friendship or with like literally anything, an apartment, you grow out of it. And you're like, it's time for something new. I need a change. Yes. Actually, I was wrong. I was there for five years with the internship. I was there for four years. Got it. Time. But yeah, anyway. Got it. 
Still a while. Still a really long time. It was long. Especially for media where people change jobs like all the time. Totally. 100%. People change media jobs like every year, it feels like, for some people. It's like constantly moving around. Okay. So then you decided to leave and you transitioned over to Condé Nast. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like you did intern there, like you said, when you were a sophomore. So did that connection have anything to do with you getting this job? How did that process work? It didn't. That I um, at that point, like all the people that I knew had like moved on, basically mm. from Condé. And this one was actually because of my first producer on Beauty with Me went to went to CNE, and then now he's at Vogue doing video there. And he was like, "You should come work for CNE." Like, and then um, he basically like sent them my resume, and amazing. And it was so great. It was it was a long interview process, but it was really good. Um, and now and then I and then I you know took a I left ref, at refinery at in like September like October August last year took like a, a month long hiatus and like traveled a bit and then I started in October. Amazing, that's incredible. Um, okay, so we do have a few other questions for you. I have some questions that I just have been thinking of, and then I also um, have some questions for you from Instagram. Oh, so cool. first of all, because you pitch projects and then kind of pass them off to another team. I feel like I would feel like this. Do you ever like feel upset that like you don't get to produce the whole series yourself or like, like miss your series once you pass it off to the other team to continue? So, I mean, honestly, so far, no, Okay. because they were a series that I loved developing, but couldn't really see myself doing every single episode of. This epi- this series with the ballerina, I am kind of sad to see it go because I really love working with her. I think that, and I also like used to do ballet, so I have a little bit of that knowledge. So this is the one, the nice. one, the one that I'm a little bit, a little bit sad to see go. But honestly, it's not too bad. I think it would be different if if I was like if I was in it or if the, if I had like a very vested like vested interest in it. The dating show. I don't know. There's something kind of nice and cathartic about making something and really establishing the creative voice and then kind of letting it go. Yeah, totally. It also keeps your mind like fresh to like continue moving on and trying new things. Like if you produce the same series, like kind of like Beauty with Beauty with Me, like you did that for four years, three years, and you eventually were like, it's time for me to move on. So I guess this keeps it like engaged all the time. And it means that I can like, and I've learned so much since since you know since I left refinery and like really like dove into video about like how to make things feel really like give a series a brand give a series a real brand a real format and make it feel distinct and that's been really really fun and it's fun to do that for different series you don't feel you don't feel as married to every project when you have different ones kind of on the on the roster and also the fact that you're not in the series, I'm sure makes it much easier to like let not it go. feel as yeah to like let it go and not feel as like like not I don't want to say connected but like like strapped to it like you're not like this is mine like it's like you're making it for the company like it's it's a team effort. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. Next question: Did you ever have a job you didn't love? How did you turn it around slash make it work? I mean, there was a part, there was a time at refinery. So uh, at refinery where things got really, it was hard to go to work every day because our numbers were so high um, Mm. for what we were writing. 
And honestly, the way I made it work was I started like identifying that I really wanted to do video and started to like do more video. And I was able to like negotiate a slightly lower um, rate because I was I was doing things for other teams that still directly benefited the beauty team. So I don't know if this is like advice that anyone can take, but I do think that like identifying your interests and then trying to think of a creative way for you to continue to do those interests that are still benefiting your team and the company yeah, is a kind of a good way to work around it. Like Definitely. it was still very difficult. And I, and, and I also think what's really good is like, if you are working in any field, really like keeping a log of your successes and your wins and numbers of those mm. is really good when you're going to like negotiate those things down the line. Definitely. Totally agree with that. I think having a running list of all the things like you're responsible for or things that like you've picked up along the way, like to have that running list when you go to like ask for a promotion or ask for like different responsibilities or to do something you might be more interested in is very key. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. So now a lot of people always ask me like on the side or like after episodes air about leaving jobs and kind of like the best way to quit, I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. Going off on that, like, what would you suggest, like, the most respectful and, like, leaving your team on a good note? Like, what's the best way to go about doing that? I think it really depends on your relationship with your managers. But I would say definitely do it in person. Um, Mm -hmm. Set a meeting if you can. Obviously now, you know, create a Zoom call or something. And... I would say so. I had a really good relationship with my um, boss at Refinery when I left. And so she, I knew she was not going to be mad at me. I knew she would right. understand. So I, I don't, I know that's not the case for everyone. So I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I was just very frank with her. I was like, I was like, I, you know, I don't even know how I said, it. I think I, I made a point to say how much I'd learned from her and how much I really appreciated it. But that like, I kind of like, I accepted another job and that, you know, and then I, and then I asked like, what should the next steps here be? And then she Mm. was like, send me the letter then I'll kick it up to HR and like, um, tell me when your like last day will be. And so it was still sort of a collaborative effort between she and I, and that was our relationship. So it is, I think it was the best way to, to quit my job for me but I don't know what it is for everybody um but I would still say like having an open conversation and don't make yourself feel bad about it like right you're if you have a good yeah if you have a good boss they should be happy for you and thankfully like I did and she was then they were yeah yeah and I think if you do quit and your boss isn't happy for you then it just solidifies even more that that's not a good place to be and it, exactly. it's a good decision to leave. And I've heard horror stories of people's bosses not supporting their decisions to leave before. And it's yeah. horrible to hear that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you did what you had to do. You were really can you were really candid and honest and professional in your in your like goodbye meeting. So it's not on you. Don't make yourself feel bad. Yeah. Okay, last question. I feel like Condé Nast is like such an institution and people dream of working there. So for anyone listening, like what advice would you give if they wanted to get a job at Condé? Ooh, that, I guess depends what field. Right. Let's say like editorial or or a video position. I would say you'd have to have 
I mean, it helps it, it, it at any company. It helps to have a connection there that can maybe bump your right. resume up in in their like whatever job portal it is. Um, mm. But ultimately, I think that any job in editorial and video, like having a solid portfolio is kind of like a must. Um, make sure you have a good selection of if you're on the writing side, like make sure you have a good selection of writing samples. Um, you know, having a website couldn't hurt, you know, like where you can put all of, I need to make one actually, I, I need to make one. Um, but having a website where, yeah, where you can like have all of your clips, maybe a reel. If you're in, in video, it would be great for you to have a reel. I don't have a reel. I need to get, I need to make one. <laughs> um, having a reel would be great. And just like, I think it's important to really, to really, really, really understand the content of what you're applying yeah. to. Cause I think it is really easy for an editor or a director or someone to, to figure out pretty quickly if you don't understand the brand or if you don't understand the content that they make. And mm -hmm. it'll, then it's like, you know, you want to, you want to show them that you're a good fit and that you, that you know, the kind of content they're going to put out and you're going to pitch right. the right things that feel in line with the brand. So I think making sure you're super well versed in the content um, and showing what you can bring to that content. Cause I hear a lot of, I get a lot of emails of like, wanting to work at Condi or even at, at Refinery of like, it's their dream to work at, well, at, at a certain company and they love it so much. And that's great. And it's great to have that love for it, but it's more important to show that you understand the company and what you can bring to the company than right. simply like then, then waxing poetic for three paragraphs about why you love it so much. And I know that's kind of right, hard to right. hear sometimes because everyone wants to talk about how much they love, 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 love a brand. Like, but I think when it comes to job interviews, like you want to show why you're different from other people who are in Definitely. the applicant pool. 100%. I think that's amazing advice. Okay. So that's it. We're done. Thanks. Um, we, no, thank you so much. I think this is going to be amazing and help so many people. I had the best time listening to your story. So thank you so much for being on. Guys, follow me and me and you can plug your social media if you want. Um, like tell people where to follow you, how they can connect with you, etc. Yeah, I, I really just use Instagram. It's just at me and dot Chan. Uh, and that's kind of where I put everything. I have a newsletter that I really need to put out another ep another issue for that. I think there's like a link in bio if you want to like subscribe to that. But basically, that's it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So you guys follow me and reach out to her. Um, she's amazing beauty videos on her Instagram. I love watching Thanks. your tutorials that you post on there. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, remember to follow at Bitchwork Podcast on Instagram and me at Jordan Rebecca if you want. And that's it. See you guys next time. Bye. Yay.